Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this beautiful Tuesday morning here in the city of Tucson. It is uh, November the 2nd. The year is just cruising right by, 2021, and you're listening live here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. We are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. You can also find us on uh, ESPNTucson.com. On the website there, you can live stream. Just click on the Listen Now button. You can listen at, uh, you know, where you, know, you take your phone with you or wherever. Put your uh, your ear pods in or whatever they're called. I don't, I, I'm, starting, I'm trying to get to that age, like, where I mispronounce, like, what the technology, names of technologies things are. I have, because I don't have any Apple products, I just, I just choose not to use them, basically. <clears throat> So I'm not like hip to the uh, the terms and stuff. I have my, um, I call them pixel pods. I'm not exactly sure what they're called, but you know, nonetheless, I'm still, you know, into the uh, the streams of technology. I just don't know what the cool kids are calling those devices these days. Regardless, uh, never wanted to put myself in that uh, in that realm of the cool kids. Anyways, I've always been kind of just the class clown anyway but uh, we have a great show planned for you guys today and uh, we do appreciate you tuning in a lot of stuff to get into uh on this tuesday so, because you know basketball season has now and i, I don't want to say officially begun because last night was an exhibition game at the McHale center but nonetheless there was some round ball being played on the hard court last night at the McHale center and it was exciting it was fun and we had a good time at the game last night i think the fans had a good time i'm really I mean, given the the crowd, I think um, I think there was right around like six thousand people. I think in attendance uh, at the game last night. Not exactly sure. We didn't we don't announce attendance for things like that for exhibition games and such. But uh, probably around six thousand or so. Or probably about you know just a, a little over a third full. Um, the fans stayed for quite quite a long time. I was surprised by how many people because usually in these exhibition games, you know, Arizona goes up by forty. We go to the under eight. Uh, media timeout, you know, which is as soon as the clock hits eight minutes in the second half, we're at the, that under eight minutes media timeout. Usually when that media timeout occurs is when everybody starts heading for the exits. It didn't really happen last night. Maybe we had, you know, smattering of people here and there kind of leaving, but for the most part, the the, uh, the fans stayed and enjoyed the product all the way to the uh, to the final buzzer last night. And uh, those that did stay got an, uh, got an eyeful. There was some fun moments in that game last night. Even the uh, the opposing head coach basically said, "Look, if if Arizona shoots like that all season, they're going to have a lot of fun this year." And yeah, I mean, look, this is a. Um, I was talking with uh, with a buddy of mine after the game. Came down to uh, to say hello. He was at the game with his daughter last night, and uh, we were talking. And I said, "You know, one of the things that is going to go, you know, quickly noticed about this team is the personality." On the floor, there's a lot of different personalities on this team. Kirk Creesa, uh, obviously a very, very fun young man, likes to have a good time, likes to chat it up. Um, you know, he has fully embraced the, the, uh, you know, playground basketball type attitude. Not in an angry, you, you know, demonstrative way like some, you know, like some players choose to do, but in more of like a fun, goofy kind of way. He has a good time out there. 
he was yucking it up with the with the officials, which is always kind of fun to see. And and I hope he doesn't uh, set himself up for a, a great amount of disappointment because they are going to call fouls on him. They're going to make bad calls this year uh, with him involved. And hope he doesn't uh, uh, expect too much from his early developmental friendships with the uh, with the officials that were at the game last night. It was a good it was a good set of officials uh, last night. I, I you know you like to see Randy McCall and and uh Vern and Michael Greenstein there and and uh you know it was, it was a good crew last night um they're a good crew to get along with kind of good for for Tommy's first game and you know obviously Tommy knows these guys these guys have worked the west coast for a long time and uh they've worked Gonzaga games before over the years so Tommy's you know obviously very very familiar with them plus they've worked uh tournament games and neutral site games as well so uh, you know, it was obvious that uh, uh, that they are very very familiar with one another. Look, this is a this is a, a fun team. They've got some you know Dale and Terry's got a great amount of personality. Uh, you know, Christian Coloco is is a is a guy who likes to go out there and have fun. Um, this is it's going to be it's going to be a fun team this year. And I think that the style that Tommy Lloyd has brought to this particular program this year is going to lend itself to them being able to explore the space a little bit. Um, and look, there were there were plenty of times where Tommy was calling out plays. Uh, you know, don't get me wrong. You know, if the coach needs to step in and say, "We need to get someone involved. We need to get another player involved. We need to get a play for you know for this guy. We need a play for our four. A play for our five. Uh, we need a three point shot here. Something like that." If he if he notices a trend like where players maybe not you know involved enough and starting to disengage themselves. <clears throat> Then you know it's time for the head coach to step in, recognize those things, make a play call, and he did so on a couple of occasions last night. I noticed um, Julius Tabellis wasn't getting the ball early, and I'll talk about that in just a moment. But uh, Tommy was like, "Hey, uh, let's go to the four here," you know, calling call plays for the four, and Julius got the ball and was able to to do some things with it. So uh, you know, it was it was good, you know just a good overall performance. Um, of course, getting the win over Eastern New Mexico last night. Final score was ninety six fifty. And it was one of those games where, you know, Arizona didn't go on like a 30-2 to two run. It was just a game full of like 9-4, 10-3, you know, those types of runs, you know, throughout the night. I think their best run of the night was like 13 straight. Um, Eastern New Mexico, they, they brought a couple guys that could shoot. Um, I, was, uh, I was impressed with uh, one of their bench players, James Jordan. Um, he, you know, he was a pretty good shooter out there. Took a couple of bad threes in the second half, but uh, was, was hitting them in the first half. Looked pretty good. Um, but again, you know, it's, it's a team that was going to get blown out regardless, uh, of, of how well anybody shot the lights out for them in that particular game. You know, they shot, uh, under 30% for the, for the game, 29% for the game, 20% from three. And, uh, you know, look, it was a good little first test for the, uh, for the Wildcats. Um, you know, Tommy talked after the game at the, uh, the press conference. It's funny. Coaches a lot of times will come in with some kind of a prepared statement after a game. They'll just kind of, you know, sit down and and uh, say, okay, well, this is, uh, you know, this is, uh, well, we, we did this and thought we did, you know, we got out, we ran, you know, so they can kind of, I don't want to say dictate the narrative, but coaches like to come in and establish certain things so that they can move on with the press conference, essentially. You know, you know hopefully the media is paying attention, don't double ask questions and things. Tommy sits down and he goes, fire away. <laughs> you know, and that's that's kind of I think the the uh, uh, the the free spirited attitude that we're going to expect out of Tommy Lloyd and his players this year. Now, you know, Tommy I think talked about after the game in the in the press conference that he would like to see some more passing 
and I feel the same way. I would like to see the Wildcats pass the ball a little bit more. I felt that there could have been more passing in the game last night. I know that sounds a bit ridiculous given the fact that the Wildcats scored 96 points and had 24 assists in the game. Uh, it sounds a bit ridiculous that there could have been more passing. I just It just seemed to me there was a lot of one-pass shot possessions in that game last night. It would there would be one pass, the guy was open because Eastern New Mexico wasn't athletic enough or wasn't paying attention to the spacing and things like that. Um, again, it's it's not a big deal in a game like this. I, I I would like to see them get into some more offense, and I think you'll see that against NAU when they get uh, when they play against a program who plays Division One basketball, um, whether it's Big Sky or Pac-12 or SEC or whatever have you. Um, Division One basketball is a different animal. NAU's got uh, got a transfer player from Virginia Tech who's going to be pretty good this year. And, you know, they can shoot the three, and they'll get out. And, and Shane Berker, uh, their head coach, he knows how to, de- how to defend teams. And um, so they're going to have to rely on their, their offense a little bit more, passing the ball. So I would like to see more passing. I think we will see more passing of the ball as the uh, season continues. But, again, last night there was a lot of wide-open jump shots left for them to, uh, to cherry-pick last night and uh, able to, uh, to drain a lot of them. Um, you know, Kurt, he struggled from the field. He was 2 of 10 from the field, 1 of 8 from beyond the arc. His shot will fall. It's it's just a matter of time. Um, you know, Kerr is a very emotional player, and he likes to get into the mix of things. I think once Kerr kind of gets into the mode of, I'm the point guard, um, I don't have to just light up the scoreboard all the time, you're going to see a better offense out of the Wildcats, and I also think that more shots are going to open up for him. Uh, good timely shots, and and that's where the situation where you know Kirk Crease is gonna uh, gonna really take off and do well this season. Um, he, had, he had a team high last night, twenty seven and a half minutes, and I thought played really well. Um, <clears throat> all in all, uh, you know, zero turnovers from your point guard playing twenty seven and a half minutes in the game uh, in a tempo like that. It's a style that's that you know it's moving that quickly. Uh, I thought he played uh, extremely well outside of the the, the poor shooting from beyond the arc. Um, his emotion, his energy was great and uh, was able to drop four dimes last night. Team high, four dimes, tied with Tim, uh, Kim Aiken, also with four assists. So I uh, liked what I saw out of Kerr, just you know, maybe a little more controlled in the, uh, in the jump shot area. Again, it's an exhibition game. You're up 50. That's fine. You know, that, that, let it fly. It's going to happen. Uh, I know Tommy and a lot of the fans in the media were talking about the turnovers in the game. I don't exactly know what – I don't think Tommy even really mentioned it all that much. I think he was just kind of more placating the media, like, yeah, we had some turnovers tonight, you know. I'm not concerned about the turnovers at all. Like, you look at the game last night, <clears throat> they had 16 turnovers. Here's the breakdown in the, you know, in the turnover department, if, if, you're, if you're one of those people that's concerned about turnovers, because I think a lot of times fans just assume that up-tempo with young players is going to lead to a lot of turnovers. 16 is – you know, if you have eight and a half, I think most coaches would be like, okay, that's probably a few too many, but we can clean that up. It's not like they committed 26 turnovers last night, folks. So if my math is correct, Arizona had 94 possessions last night, including offensive rebounds and forced turnovers. So 94 possessions. They only turned the ball over on 16 of those 94 possessions, which is a 17% turnover rate, which is pretty damn good. Pretty damn good. It's not, you know, it's not NBA level. Although there are some NBA teams that turn the ball over at a twenty percent clip. Um, but let's take a look at those at, at the at the turnovers that were committed. 
12 of the 16 turnovers in the game were committed by bigs. Coloco, Balo, Azulis Tabellis, and Kim Aiken. Combined, they had 12 of the 16 turnovers. Two of the turnovers were charging fouls. One was on Dalen Terry early in the uh, midway through the first half, and the other was on Jordan Maines at the end of the game. That leaves two, including zero from your point guard. Again, not concerned. Like I'm not. <laughs> the turnovers, at least after game one, not a concern for me. Again, things are going to change. This was Eastern New Mexico. Their tallest player was six foot seven. They didn't have any length really to speak of, and uh, even less quickness. So, again, you know we're going to take it with a grain of salt here. But anybody who's saying, "Oh, turnovers in the game," stop. I'm, that's not a concern at all. It wasn't like Arizona was just throwing the ball all over the place because they had guys out of position. There was one of those that I remember. Uh, I believe. I believe it was Tubelis had cut to the had cut to the rim, and I think it was Kim Aiken who uh, who missed him on a on a on a pass. It's just like I mean, little things like that are going to happen. It wasn't like Arizona was out there in the backcourt dribbling the ball off their foot, uh, unable to inbound the basketball. Like I mean, little stuff like that. You just like you look at that, and you're like, oh my god, we're in trouble. Uh, I, I'm not concerned by what I saw last night in the turnover department at all. N- not uh, zero. Zero concern last night. Again, once they start playing better teams, teams in Division One, certainly when they get into Pac-12, they're going to be dealing with, A, more athleticism, B, a lot more length, and C, better coaching. So players are going to be more apt to, uh, to, to create turnovers. But I also think that Arizona in those situations will also be more protective of the basketball. I think last night they were a little free and and – and, uh, you know, freewheeling last night, and that's going to lead to some turnovers as well. So, again, not concerned if I'm looking at, at the overall meat of, of where the turnovers came from. Uh, you know, Benedict Matherin, 25 minutes, zero turnovers. Dalen Terry, 20 minutes, one charging foul, which was a turnover. Um, you know, Kirk, Kirk, Kirk Reese, 28 and a half minutes, no turnovers. Justin Kyer, the other ball handler, one turnover in his 21 minutes. So... It, I'm, it's fine. I'm also not concerned about the free throw shooting. I heard fans grumbling about that last night. Make your free throws. Uh, yeah, sure. It's 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 a free throw. If you've if you've been to Arizona basketball, or if you've watched college basketball at all over the last 15, 20, 25, 30 years, you know that players in in games like this just kind of at the free throw line. I whatever. I'm just going to go through the motions. A lot of them don't have that laser focus that is required to go through the motions to be perfect in your in your mechanics to repeat the same mechanics and have your same muscle memory every single time as they are when they're in a big game when it comes down to it when Arizona's starting to play bigger opponents or in big moments in games I believe this team just based on history looking at how well they've shot free throws in the past um, certain guys on this team uh, the, the free throws are going to be fine. I'm not concerned. I mean, I'm more concerned about the uh, lack of attempts in free throws last night. 17 attempts. I felt like they were settling for too many jump shots in the game last night. Would like to see them attack the rim a little bit more, especially against a small, unathletic team like Eastern New Mexico. Uh, Would have liked to see that a little bit more. I think they settled for, for some three-point shots, uh, way too many, 33 of them in the game. Um, you know, again, if you make 13 of 33, that's almost 40%, 39.5%. 
pretty damn good. I'll, you know, I think every every team in the country would take that because you know it's one of those things like you know we we talk about you know the aggregate players uh, shooting percentage. So like when you're looking at a player like a, like say a Steve Nash or a Steph Curry, like he's a 50 40 90 guy. You know, 50% from two, 40% from three, 90% from the free throw line. If Arizona can come anywhere near that, you know, I mean, they're not, not going to shoot 50% from the field on the season. But if they shoot 45% plus and can shoot near 40%, like 38 to thirty-eight to 40% from three and shoot 85, you know, 80 plus, uh, or maybe just even drop that down to like 75 plus from the, from the free throw line, they're going to score a lot of points this year. They're going to score a lot of points based on how many possessions they're going to get throughout the season. Um, looking at, at, at defense last night, uh, again, not a whole lot to, to glean from that because of the opponent, but I did like the uh, the changeup at the second half. They went to the matchup zone and really just completely discouraged any kind of scoring from Eastern New Mexico at that point. The, the matchup zone played really, really well for Arizona. They were switching on ball screens. And I thought they did a really nice job in the second half. I think Eastern New Mexico scored six points in the final two minutes of the of the second half. Otherwise, that was like getting close to a single digit second half uh, scoring wise from from the Greyhounds. So uh, I like the defense. You know, the man to man was was fine. Um, they a lot of times they were leaving you know sh- shooters wide open in the uh, in the man to man. They would get kind of lost. Like whose man is that? Is that your man? Is my man? It, all those kinds of things are going to they'll work themselves out, um, and, but I thought the, when when they went to a matchup zone, which is a much more difficult type of of defense to execute, that they played extremely well in the matchup zone. They even ran pack line on a couple of a uh, couple of possessions. It was nice to see the old pack line back at McHale Center, and uh, so yeah, look look all in all, good performance by the Wildcats, a dominant performance over a team they should have dominated. We've seen in the past these exhibition games kind of get a little tight uh, in certain years where there was a rebuilding year. You know, Sean's first year when the roster was bad, to say the least. Um, you know, they, the uh, these games got a little, you know, got a little dicey, a little tight. And, of course, you know, they lost one of those games. Uh, was it like Seattle City College or whatever it was that they lost to in an exhibition game at one point many years ago? But... This one was a dominant performance, rightfully so. They should have done so, and uh, they put them away. And all in all, I like what I saw out of the team. Uh, I'm liking the starting lineup of Creesa, Terry, and Benedict Matherin in the backcourt, and then uh, Azulis Tubelis and Christian Coloco in the front court. That's that's a formidable starting lineup. And even Christian Coloco getting in on the three-point shooting took that three-pointer from the top of the key. And that thing was just, that thing was wet as can be. That thing went splash. That thing was, he drained it. Uh, you know, he had one attempt last year, missed it. <laughs> he took, Tommy Lloyd said that he took one attempt in practice and airballed it, and, or in a, in, a, in a scrimmage I think they had, and airballed it and said, well, that was your one, that was your one chance this year. Christian Coloco wasn't satisfied with that. He's going to make one of these. And uh, look, he had, he had the moment. He faked a little pass to the, to the wing was like, okay, nobody going to step out of me. I'm going to try this. Bang. Dropped it down. And then Umar Balo thought he was going to get on the, on, the, uh, on the action too. He got the ball at the top of the key. He caught it. I swear to God, he looked right at Tommy Lloyd and was like, do I do it? And Tommy's like, don't you dare. Don't you dare. He turned around and handed it off. Uh, but it was fun last night. 
and you know, Tommy's got a great relationship with these players. You can tell uh, that they that they enjoy one another. And it was funny in in the pregame, uh, like their you know their shoot around and things like that that they do earlier in the day for the games where they just install some final things and stuff. They ended the practice with a half court shooting contest, and like everybody was involved. Brian Jeffries was talking about it on the uh, on the the broadcast after the game, and. <clears throat> Everyone was involved. They got Justin Kokoski, the team doctor, was involved. Chris Rounds, the the, uh, the the best strength and conditioning coach in all of college basketball, he was involved. Nobody was making the shots. Players, I mean, everybody, managers, nobody could make the shot. Tommy, and there's a video of it on Twitter. I think uh, Arizona Basketball posted it on Twitter. And he said, look, guys, the, you know, the point of this exercise is to actually make the basket. And he leaps off his left foot, launches it into the air, rattles it home, and the players swarmed him, and they were just having a good old time. And, and you can tell that uh, that they enjoy being around one another, and that's always a good thing to see. When when players play with joy, that's when good things happen. Now, if they can control and stay disciplined during you know while playing with that joy, that's obviously going to be very important. But if they can continue focusing and playing with joy, then you know that's uh, uh, that's a beautiful thing. One final note uh, before we. Uh, move on with other topics today and, and uh, you know, because there's really just not a whole lot to get into about Arizona basketball. We'll actually talk with Justin Spears a little bit later on today at 830. We're going to bring on Justin. Uh, we're going to talk with him about some of the things that he saw over the weekend in Los Angeles and last night at the McHale Center. I will say one thing. It's very apparent that they need to get Azulis Tubelas going early. He, he was uninvolved in the first six or so minutes of that game, and then every time he got the ball, he was rushing his shot. That's not a. That's not the way you want Tubelas to play. He was also disengaged on the glass. He only collected two rebounds last night. That's very unlike Azulis Tubelas, with as strong, as long, as athletic as he is. He needs to get more work on the glass as well. So um, get him involved early. That is going to be a key for Arizona. If you can get both him and Matherin going early, teams are going to have a very difficult time defending Arizona. That's just. That's just the way it is, uh, and then you, you you know you're bringing guys off the bench like Justin Kyer, who's got a beautiful stroke. Kim Aiken's three point shot is just gorgeous. His work with Corey Kispert in the off season paid off big time. And don't forget, and Tommy Lloyd talked about this guy in his press conference after the game last night. Pella Larson, the transfer from Utah, that kid can flat out shoot. He's a fifty forty ninety guy. He can flat out fill it. And he's healthy. He's practicing with the team, and he's going to be available for the NAU game on November 9th, a week from tonight. So that's a huge boost coming off the bench. That kid can flat-out shoot. He is very impressive. So keep your eyes on Pella Larson this season. He's going to be a huge weapon for Tommy Lloyd. All right. I've gone way too long in my first segment, but we've been talking college basketball, and it was exciting, and I was so happy to see the fans last night cheering and uh, glad to see people in the McHale Center and just looking forward to next uh, next Tuesday's game against NAU. That game tips off at 8.30, so it's a late game. So, uh, you know, take a nap, pack a snack, whatever, and uh, head on down to the McHale Center next Tuesday night for their opener against NAU. We're going to take a timeout when we return. A big trade in the NFL yesterday. We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. 
If you want to win a pair of my tickets to this Saturday's homecoming game, your chance to uh, win those is coming up in just a couple of minutes as the uh, the text line will open shortly. I went really long on the first segment, which is why I'm kind of having to tease this right now. Uh, but if you want those tickets, if you want to register for the tickets, we'll put it that way, um, just wait a couple minutes because the text line is going to open very, very soon, and I'll have your keyword and your number to text to and just hang on literally for a couple minutes uh, until that window opens. So I'll let you know when that happens, and you can uh, start registering for those tickets to win or those ch- the chance to win my tickets to this Saturday's game. It's a red out, so wear red to the game. It's homecoming. Kickoff is at high noon and expecting uh, big things out of the Wildcats this Saturday against the Cal Golden Bears, who are currently on a three-game win streak and playing their best football of probably the last two seasons uh, heading into this Saturday's game, which just means that they're due for a fall. So, right? Uh, that's, uh, that's, how we, that's how we do things around here in the Pac-12. Uh, Derek Henry, it was announced yesterday that he was going to undergo foot surgery, probably going to be out for about eight to ten weeks, Mike Vrabel said. And eight to ten weeks still puts Derek Henry available for the playoffs should uh, the Titans advance beyond the wild card round. Uh, I believe that still kind of puts them right in there. He may be available for maybe even for that wild card round. Who knows? He, you know, he might be one of those fast healer guys uh, that can come in and uh, and heal from from injuries early uh, or sooner than than others. Now. Adam Schefter reported yesterday that while Derrick Henry is expected to miss the rest of the regular season, the Titans have signed Adrian Peterson, 36-year-old running back who's currently fifth on the league's all-time rushing list, uh, is going to be placed on the Titans practice squad with the expectation that he will be added to the active roster. So they moved Henry to injured reserve, which opened up a roster spot on the 53-man roster. Uh, Last week, the Titans had placed... Uh, running back Darrington Evans on the injured reserve list, opening up a spot. And then the uh, also have running backs Jeremy McNichols and Dontrell Hilliard on the roster. So it, la- it sounds like they're going to go with a three-back backfield of McNichols, Hilliard, and now Adrian Peterson, who's been signed. Uh, the 36-year-old former league MVP comes in to Tennessee to see if he can uh, continue to do some things in the NFL and maybe even move up the ladder in regards to the all-time rushing list. Uh, also, there was a trade in the NFL yesterday that sent Von Miller to the Los Angeles Rams, and the Rams get even that much stronger. I'll have a breakdown of that trade coming up after the break. But your chance to win my tickets to Saturday's game are right now. The text window has opened up, and your chance to win is right now. You're going to have a chance to register to win my tickets. Message and data rates may apply, but text the word TOUCHDOWN to 68683. The word is touchdown. That's one word, touchdown, to 68683. Text now. We've got a small window to get those text messages in. Register to win my tickets. I'm going to give away two pairs of tickets on Friday to uh, to the uh, to the game on Saturday, the homecoming game, big homecoming game, second to last game of the season. Man, it's already here. The Wildcats with back-to-back home games against Cal and Utah to finish out the season. But your chance to win my tickets right now. Text touchdown to 68683 and get your chance to win. Uh, Also coming up later in this hour, your chance to win women's basketball tickets as we'll be doing a uh, uh, call to win women's basketball tickets this Friday at the McHale Center as uh, Adia Barnes and the Arizona women's basketball team tip off their regular season Friday at 6.30. We'll have those tickets coming up in just a little bit as well. 
And, gosh, who knows what else. They may drop some other things in my lap. We're going to take a timeout when we return. A breakdown of the Rams and Broncos trade that sent Von Miller, a future Hall of Famer, to the already stout Los Angeles Rams and their defensive line. That's next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here on this Tuesday morning. Again, uh, Justin Spears is going to be joining us 8 o'clock hour, about 8.30, to discuss uh, some things. He was in California, Southern California over the weekend, was able to go to the Servite John Bosco, St. John's Bosco game. Uh, we'll talk about that and, of course, things that he saw in the Coliseum and Get his thoughts on last night's uh, last night's game before we're gonna we're gonna get his reactions on my show before he can give him on his show. That's that's what I'm trying to do here. I'm just trying to submarine the the Spears and Ali show every weekday here from three to six and get the scoop on Justin's opinions before he can actually give them on his show. That's my plan is to just completely submarine them. So the Rams decided to uh, like it's kind of funny. They're like, well. <clears throat> We had the number one pick several years ago. We drafted Jared Goff. That didn't work out so well. We're just so we're just going to not draft anymore. <laughs> like, like draft day 2022 for the Los Angeles Rams is basically just going to be watching other teams pick players from college football, and they're just going to be like, "No, yeah, okay, that's you know, that's a pretty good pick. That's you know, we would have probably you know done made the same pick there." <laughs> they have like three picks in the entire draft right now. There's going to be some compensatory picks, obviously, that are going to be handed out and stuff. But who knows? They may trade those away as well. But they trade their second and third round picks to the Broncos for Von Miller, who is the career active leader in sacks, 110 and a half in his uh, in his career. Obviously, one of the most dominant players of this era, and certainly the most dominant player during that Broncos run to the Super Bowl when he won the Super Bowl MVP, when they crushed the Panthers um, in that uh, in that Super Bowl, and he was like that entire postseason. Von Miller was like the most unstoppable player I think I've ever seen in a single postseason. Like he was absolutely ridiculous in that uh, in that postseason. He had what do you have? Like five uh, five sacks in the AFC Championship game. It just he he was he was dominant. Nobody could stop him. He had interception. I think he picked off Tom Brady um, in that game as well. So. The Rams hoping that there's still some things left in the tank. Now, you know, Von Miller has been has had some injury bug bit uh, bites over the last couple of years. Has seen him, uh, you know, his his numbers uh, regress a little bit. Obviously, with the uh, the injuries and not being able to play, but he's playing well right now, and he looks pretty good out there. So they pulled the trigger on him, and the Broncos are going to be on the hook. For the $9 million remaining on his contract uh, this season, this is clearly a move that sets up the Rams for the Super Bowl run this season. They they, they believe, at the, you know, as, as currently constructed, that they are one of the top probably four teams in the NFL. And, I mean, most people would agree with, with them that they are one of the top four teams in the NFL. Uh, and, you know, certainly at 7-1, and one, one of the elite teams, uh, with that offense, and now the defense gets even stronger. When you look at what that defensive line is going to look like now, so we know that they've got Aaron Donald, of course, multiple-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year. You know, say what you will, he 
you can't pile enough accolades on Aaron Donald. Many people call him the best player in the NFL, period, regardless of, of position. He's had a 99 rating on Madden for, like, the last five seasons. Like, he's obviously very, very good. He does everything well. But now you've got Leonard Floyd over there who's been playing extremely well um, for the for the Rams this year. He's number nine in the league in uh, quarterback pressures. He has 31 quarterback pressures. He leads the team in sacks. He has six and a half sacks this year. And then you have defensive tackle Sebastian Joseph Day, who's one of the best run-stopping tackles in the league as well. So now you've got a Von Miller guy, you know, a linebacker who can play, you know, put his uh, put his hand in the dirt, you know, play in the uh, in, you know in a, in a uh, two-point stance, uh, you know, stand up at the end of the line and rush after the passer. Obviously, has a uh, a full tool bag of of moves and and tricks up his sleeve, of course. And this is just going to make them even stronger. If he can stay healthy and if he can, you know, find uh, a little bit of fountain of youth because of the three guys that he's playing next to on that defensive line who are already very, very good, uh, this makes things very difficult for the rest of the NFC. That's for damn sure. Specifically here in the NFC West, the Rams were not happy with the way they were unable to contain Kyler Murray in their blowout loss to the Cardinals earlier this season and they have now tried to do what they can to shore that up. And the Broncos are, you know, taking the taking the bite on this one. They you know, they're going to grab a couple of couple of draft picks. They're going to pay the remaining 9 million dollars on the salary. So people were like, "Well, what are the Rams going to do with salary? Don't go worry about it because Broncos are picking up the tab." So what are the what are the Broncos doing? What you know, if you're if you're a Broncos fan like, "My god, what's, you know, what's happening with with the Broncos?" Well, they have a new GM. You know, George Payton is the new the new GM there, clearly building for the future. Probably, and when I say future, I mean next year. Now, it's not beyond the realm of of reality. This may be more of like a a wish list kind of thing, but nonetheless, I think it's there's definitely some uh, some real juice behind this that they'd be looking for a new quarterback next year. Maybe that new quarterback is Aaron Rodgers. Maybe they're going to do whatever they can to try to woo Aaron Rodgers to come and play in Denver the same way they wooed Peyton Manning away when he finished his career in Indianapolis. Maybe the move now is for Aaron Rodgers to come in and play quarterback. They're going to get some draft picks, you know, maybe move those around and get him some weapons or whatever they feel they need in Denver to round out the offense. And maybe, just maybe, it's going to be a new head coaching change as well. A lot of people believe that Vic Fangio is just a, a another embarrassing loss away from being fired. I think that it would be um, it would behoove them to just let Fangio play out the rest of this season. They're four and four right now. Again, when they play good teams, they don't play as well. They've had a couple of of real kind of defensive slobber knocker, you know, type of type of matchups um, so far this year. But uh, I think that. Keeping Vic Fangio on for the year, or at least maybe seeing what the next six games holds. Um, you don't want to pull the trigger on the on the season too soon. I mean, if you can make the playoffs, obviously, uh, that's extremely advantageous. So maybe it's just a situation where in the off season they say, "Okay, we've fired Vic Fangio, and we're going to go out there and we're going to we're going to try to get Aaron Rodgers. We're going to ask Aaron Rodgers who he wants to play for." Like, all right, A. Rod, we want to give you what you want. We're going to give you a five-year contract. We're going to make you the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL, whatever you know, whatever it takes to, to make him happy, and then say, who do you want to play for? Who can we go and hire as our new head coach that you would want to play for or an offensive coordinator that you want to play for? 
it's it's very possible they just throw everything at Aaron Rodgers they possibly can. Roll out the red carpet, hand him not the keys to the car, hand him the keys to the mansion. <clears throat> like John Elway is just like, all right, give him everything that he wants. And I mean everything that he wants. Money, players, coaches, whatever he wants, we'll go do it. They're about winning championships. You know, they, they got that taste, of course, with Peyton Manning cashing in that uh, that championship there, and they're hungry for more. And they've, look, they've got a good roster. They've got a good team outside of, I think, some questionable coaching, as, as people have cited with Vic Fangio and the limitations that it, it that Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke bring to the, uh, to the field as well. So maybe, just maybe, this is what the Broncos are thinking. So we'll find out. Obviously, it's, it's, there's a lot of lot of season remaining this season in the NFL. So we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on you know, their posturing and and maneuvering and see what they're doing. Uh, the Steelers uh, made a trade. They sent uh, uh, they sent Melvin Ingram linebacker Melvin Ingram to the Chiefs for a sixth round pick. That was done earlier this morning, and still not sure what the Saints are going to do. You know, Jameis Winston. It was reported last night that he suffered an ACL tear. He's going to be done for the rest of the season. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Taysom Hill, who's in concussion protocol still, and Trevor Simeon, who played all right in his backup, moving into the backup role there in uh, in New Orleans and had to take over for Jameis against the Buccaneers, obviously getting the win in that game. So it'll be interesting to see if the, uh, if the Saints do anything at the quarterback position. Obviously, they're in a position right now to uh, to do some things because you know when you look at we look at the NFC South the Bucks at six and two the Saints right there nipping at their heels in five and two and a win in the bank plus the Panthers are right there behind the Saints at four and four and I, I, I don't I don't expect a whole lot out of the Panthers the remainder of this season unless they can figure out how to keep you know Sam Darnold from throwing the ball into the dirt or into other teams' hands uh, but. Nonetheless, their defense is still very good, and when, if and when they get Christian McCaffrey back, uh, if he can stay healthy, gosh, that guy's turned into glass all of a sudden the last couple of years. You know, played was able to play 16 games each of his first three, and now he, the guy can't stay on the field for more than five plays. Uh, if and when they get him back, they're obviously a, a completely different offense with him. All right, now is your chance. We had tons of tickets to give away. We're just giving away all kinds of things today. My tickets. Now we're going to give away some women's basketball tickets. Your chance to win a pair of tickets to go see the U of A women's basketball team get their season underway this Friday. That game is at 6.30 p.m. at the McHale Center as they take on Arizona Christian to start their season. And we are going to take caller number three right now at 520-719-1490. Caller number three at 520-719-1490. You are going to win those tickets to go see Adia Barnes and the women's basketball team start their season. A very, very exciting season coming back off of their championship uh, uh, runner-up run last season. The Final Four, of course, victory over UConn. And a, a big, you know, a lot of expectations for this team this year. So be caller number three right now at 719-1490. You will win a pair of tickets to go see the women's basketball team this Friday night. More after this, you're listening to the Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Uh, The World Series Game 6 is tonight. Astros trying to pull even with the Braves. Astros going to... uh, 
short rest on the uh, on the mound tonight. We'll see if they can get it done and see if they can force the the ultimate uh, game in the in all of baseball, a uh, game seven. Congratulations to Cesar Martinez. Cesar Martinez was our third caller to win the women's basketball tickets. Cesar was very excited, and he's going to be looking forward to going to that women's basketball game on Friday night. Thank you, Cesar, for listening, and congratulations, and enjoy the game, my man. And I uh, hope to see you at the uh, the football game as well on Saturday for homecoming at noon. That'll be a quick turnaround. It's uh, I've got I've got some quick turnarounds coming up. I've got so Tuesday next Tuesday night the game the the NAU game for men's basketball is at eight thirty, which means that I, like I won't be getting home till like one a.m. or so if I were to drive home. So I'm trying to get a hotel in Tucson for Tuesday night so that I can just be in studio on Wednesday morning. We'll see about that. But then turnarounds on uh, for the weekends, Friday and Saturday games, so I get it. But there's a lot going on in the city of Tucson, a lot of things to be excited about. Look, I, I, <clears throat> I can't state this enough. I, I, I am really excited for Saturday's game against Cal. First of all, it's homecoming. Always love the homecoming games. Homecoming games are always great. There's, like, my script is, like, 60 pages long. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, I do more talking during the homecoming game and the the final two games, usually, you know, the homecoming game and then the uh, senior uh, appreciation night. <clears throat> Both of those, are it's just a ton of, of talking. But you know what? We're celebrating letter winners of the past, uh, also, you know, members of not just the athletic department, but also the band and cheer teams and things like that, uh, all very, very important pieces to the machine that is a uh, football program and an athletic department. So looking forward to these final two games and obviously looking forward to getting a win. And Arizona's got a good shot this weekend against Cal. And uh, we'll have a full breakdown, uh, you know, full preview of that game coming up next week. Or this Next week. Later this week, we'll have a full breakdown of that. Jed Fish had his pre- press conference yesterday. It was a quick one. It wasn't a, you know, a, lot, a whole lot uh, of meat on that bone. We can talk about it a little bit. Uh, I know he said that Jamari Joyner, Injured his knee, is most likely not going to be available for this game against Cal, which is a huge blow because, you know, Cal can bring it on defense. They really can. Uh, Justin Wilcox has really enforced his, uh, you know, his will on that program, and they absolutely bring it on defense. So Arizona's got to be extra careful in this particular game if Jamari Joyner is not available to play quarterback for Arizona, at least give Will Plummer a spell for 8 to 12 snaps, if you will. So, uh, not great news there. Uh, didn't have any other injury news for the uh, for the Wildcats. Had a lot of praise for Jalen Harris, rightfully so. I thought Jalen, and I, I neglected to mention this yesterday when talking about the game against USC, but I felt that Jalen played his best, had his best game as a Wildcat on Saturday night against USC. He was everywhere. He was always around the ball. He was a problem uh, for USC. And it started on Friday night against Washington. Early in that game, about midway through the second quarter, I was realizing a trend that was happening for Washington, and they were running the ball at Jalen Harris. They felt that on you know on their film, on their film study, that you could run right at Jalen Harris because maybe he's a little more of an athletic defensive end, not a run-stopping kind of guy, uh, maybe not the best tackler, not a, not great against the run, whatever have you. Um, and to be honest, you know, his his PFF grades early in the season against the run were not great. I think he was in the low 50s for most of the first half of the season. 
But he turned things around in that Washington game. I think he took it personally. And I, I've spoken with Jalen or anything, but I know that players that like him play with a lot of, of pride, especially you know for who his dad is and the fact that he's a legacy recruit here. His brother's on the team. You know, his mom was a was an athlete here at Arizona. It, it's you play with a lot of great pride, and if you see that a team is targeting you and they're coming after you to run at you, you can do two things. You can wilt and and run away and roll over, or you can attack and you can establish your dominance, and that's what he did. And I think he unlocked something in himself on that Friday night against Washington, which led him to have his best game of his career, his good and lengthy career at Arizona against uh, against, uh, uh, Southern Cal on Saturday night. So props to Jalen Harris. If he can keep that up, man, if he can, if he can set that edge and be a problem for Cal and for the other teams that Arizona is going to play the rest of this season, then that's just one more piece that makes Arizona a much more difficult team to score on, to move the ball on, so on and so forth. So looking for other big things out of Jalen Harris this weekend after having his best game as a Wildcat. So congratulations to him, and I'm glad that Jet Fish pointed that out as well. I neglected to do it yesterday. I'm glad Jet brought it up in his press conference. All right, still got an hour to go on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Again, Justin Spears coming up in hour number two. We'll talk about that. The CFP rankings debut tonight. I'll have my CFP rankings coming up next. Probably going to upset a whole lot of people. Stay tuned. It's just a quick two-minute turnaround right here on the Jeff Dean Show. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tanka Verde. KMXZ HD4 Tucson.